0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him.
1: You know, it's a little bit different than what we do usually. And the reason for that is that we, are, we aren't scared to cover the difficult topics. We aren't scared to address the things which maybe scratch a little and we maybe hurt a little. Because we believe that God is not a God of prosperity only, but a God of truth and a God of fear. And therefore we address these things. And although it might be tough, we know that God touches hearts when we do address this, these difficult topics. And we're coming to the end of relationship month now, and it's been an amazing month, and I could really see God just growing us in relationships. We had uh, marriage enrichment and marriage preparation the one week, and every week it was just getting momentum from the the previous week. A couple of weeks ago, Werner shared a little bit of his testimony, and tonight we're building upon that. So before I get there, let me just invite three people forward. Stephanie, if you can join me, Werner, Janae, you can join me here in front. And while they're making the way in front, I just want to, you know, when you ever see an advertisement on television, these decencies apply, and the guy talks so fast, and no one can hear what he says, but those things apply. So I'm going to talk slow with the decencies for tonight. The, the important thing to remember is that none of these three people, brave people, to share tonight said, yes, I have a cool story which I want to share, or I have things to work through, and I want to do that in front of the church, let me come do it here. What happened was is God did miracles in their lives, God brought healing, and God did fantastic works in their lives. And then they got called to testify of this, because the word says that you'll be saved by the blood of the lamb, and we're good with that. We proclaim that every Sunday, and by the words of your testimony. And that is the part which we are taking up tonight, saying that these testimonies also proclaim the glory of God, and the glory reflects back to God. So, if any one of these people, you think, yes, like, I wish I had eyelashes like that, or I wish I had muscles like Werner, look past that. It's not about any of these three people tonight. It is about the work which God has done in their lives. And I just want to redirect all the glory past these people, past anyone here in front, and say what God has done is what we're focusing on tonight. And then secondly, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore, oh, let me just get to the same slide which everyone is on. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, just as in you are doing. And that is, that is the second part of sharing your testimony. Sometimes it feels like, yo, I'm the only one suffering. This is a tough life for me. Why did I get dealt this this hard hand? But then brave people like, like Jane, and Stephanie step up and say, I'm willing to share what God has done in my life. The amazing God, the God we all serve, and the God who can do this for everyone. And with that, let's quickly close our eyes and and pray, and then we kick it off. Yes, Lord, thank you that, that you are always constant, Lord. Thank you that you are the one who brings healing. Thank you that we can always trust you, Lord, to come through, Lord. Thank you that your promises aren't empty. And thank you that you are the one who, in all the chaos... He's the one who holds our hand, Lord. We declare the glory to you tonight, Lord, and we ask you to, to work with each one of our hearts. Amen. Now usually when Werner or Brown preaches, Stephen, I'm going to hand you this mic, I'm going to take the other one. Usually when when or Brown preaches, they make it very easy for us and give us four bullets at the end or something like that, and we quickly dot down those four bullets and... Then you have the sermon but tonight's a little bit different the moment we start sharing testimonies you come out you come to a place where it is important for each of us to identify with what god has done and relate that back to our lives god has saved this person from that thing and in my life it looks like this so i just want to invite every heart to open up to the testimony which is given but also see the work which god has done in their lives and know that's the same god which we serve in our lives so Werner, you shared a couple of weeks ago about, about a, a tough time you had in your life and how God grew you through that time. But I want to backtrack you a couple of years in, in that testimony before we, we get back there. I haven't heard any f- five-year-old boy when you ask him, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, yo, I want to be in an al- unhealthy relationship. Here. That is, <laughs> that is, that is a, where I want to be. But unfortunately, many of us find us there. Many, many of us find us in that unhealthy relationship or in a place we don't want to be. And if you can just give a little bit of background, where, what, what is the build up to something, to a place where you don't want to be look like? Where does it come from? Is, there, is it based on insecurities? Can you give us the primary school, Werner, answer?
2: Yeah, so for me, in my life, I think it's the same for all of us in one way and then it's different in other ways because our, our homes are different, our parents are different, and, and that we understand, but there's certain things that's the same. So I grew up in a home where my parents, um, they looked after us well, but we were not financially well off. Um, and many of you would relate with me. We had food on the table and, and the basics, but, but I had a very early sense that, that some people, uh, even Janae's parents, Janae was in school with me, um, I could pick up that what her parents could buy her is a lot more than what my parents could buy me. And it created a little bit of a, a sonship issue for me and I wonder where do I fit in this world you know does God care for me I know my parents love me but they really I mean you see the shoes your friends wear you see the cars their parents come to school with and, and in that something activated in me a massive desire to figure out where I am and and I was willing to burn energy to find my place in this world. And then you can ask a follow-up if you want to. But then, literally, I started to burn energy with everything I have, and I have a lot of energy, to start finding my place. And I would do whatever it cost to to not be, in, in my mind, the poor child, to not be the one whose parents cannot bring flowers to church. You know, you see, other people's parents oh, not to church, to school, you know, Monday mornings, assembly, you see, all my friends' parents, they come to school and they make the place beautiful. My parents can't afford to do that. And that thing got me driven to find a place in this world. And initially it pushed me in all the wrong directions.
1: Sure. Sure, thanks, about that. But I don't know, building up on that, that is, that is early Werner, how does that then snowball into a place where you try fi- to work past that? You try to find your identity in something. How does that look five years later then?
2: So, um, that's a great question because this started in, in primary school. Uh, we don't know. Kids are aware. They know what's going on around them. And so I, I, I thought I have to perform in this world. So I, I was a good sportsman in, in many things. And, and I really gave myself to performing. And uh, my sister and, and, and I both, um, she's also very good in sports. And um, so that propelled me into putting my identity in performing well. You know, in high school, we had a, a black jacket on her collar. Uh, honor, honorary colours I think is what you call it and I, and I I was a very good swimmer in high school I swam on essays a number of years and, and that jacket was my identity and so if one year if I got injured or I couldn't take part my world would crumble as I was looking for a place you know to, to find myself I'm the guy who does this yes my parents maybe don't have this and this but you can't beat me in this and this you know it became a performance world and then I'm sure you're going to ask me more questions, but it, it pressed beyond. After achieving in sport and being recognized as, a, as someone that's, that's good in sport, it, it wasn't enough. <laughs> and so I had to go beyond and I thought, okay, so what the movies tells me, if, if I can get a girlfriend and if it's like this romantic fantasy in my life, then, then that's going to do it. That's going to give me that place that I want. And then um, I started to date this girl, <laughs> which became my wife later on. And uh, she, she, uh, um, um, so she was my yifra genote, yes, from the high school. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so just get the best one. <laughs> okay. And, and, and the funny thing is my intentions, I, I didn't have Jesus to guide me. I didn't have... The Holy Spirit to help me. But my intentions were with her, that's the funny thing, was never bad. It was never to hurt her, it was never to do something to make her feel bad. But as then I was pushing for this place, I was pushing across sexual boundaries. And it started to hurt me, and I could see it affecting her. So at first, performing in sport, not enough romantically. You see all the movies, you try and copy that and then that as well proved to be empty. Let me just shift my chair. <laughs> so, and there was no ill-hearted intentions there. There was just no Jesus and it carried us to um, very dry places. People would say on my school uh, cards, Werner is a very Christian oh. and I had no relationship with God I just knew how to walk on the school fields with someone that, that's got the drive, you know, and that's performing. And, and so, but behind the scenes, there was this relationship happening behind closed doors that was actually injuring both of us. So I'm sorry if I maybe went over the question.
1: No, not at all. Thanks, Werner. What really stands out to me from what Werner shares there is the house looks pretty and blasted from the outside, but what is on the inside is truly what matters. And what is on the inside is what eventually gives you that fulfillment or which breaks you down. And second to that, Werner, something you, you, you said a couple of times is you try to find your fulfillment in other sports, then you get it and it's not good enough. And then you need something else. Then it becomes a girlfriend and you get it and it's not good enough and you need something else. And when we spoke, I was really rem- reminded of Colossians 1 verse 16, which says, and it's there up on the board as well, And I'm just going to shorten it, which says, Everything on earth is created through God and finds its purpose in God. None of us will ever find our purpose in sports or in relationships. And God loves relationships. He loves a happy marriage. But you will not find your purpose in your marriage. You will not find it in anything else. And therefore, that, that longing for identity, that longing for God, where do I belong, which you spoke about, is something which only gets fulfilled through God. was that you also you also said that maybe not in this direct scripture, but you also realize that it's also God, God spoke to you in some way. What is what was that way? What so, out, how does that look?
2: It's funny, God is alive. I mean, no one can argue that. Even if if we don't worship Him, He's still alive and working. So so I would be at Junay's house, and I shared this when I preached, and 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 we we would sin across sexual boundaries, and. Uh, I would go home on a motorbike. I had a small motorbike. You know, one of those that's just that irritating sound? Okay, I had one of those. And she was out on a farm, and it was winter, and it was cold, you know. And uh, and as I would drive home, my heart would break every time. I had no relationship with God yet, but my heart would break in pieces, and I would cry. But no one knew about those tears. I would cry under the helmet and I would get home and I would wipe my face, straighten myself up and into the house, because what I couldn't understand is, after putting in all the energy uh, and, to perform and, and having an amazing girlfriend we had no ill intentions, it still was still a broken story. And, and that actually drove me into the arms of God, where I had to realize, I've ticked every box. And, and maybe this is also a message for someone that's tried all those things and maybe you've not succeeded. I'm telling you, it does not bring fulfillment. Um, it doesn't work. And it, and, it, and it drove me into the arms of God and then one day I ended up on my knees and, and that God-shaped hole got filled. And I lost everything. I lost a lot of friends. I lost my girlfriend, but I was fuller than ever. <laughs> and, and that's spiritual. You can't explain that in words.
1: Thanks Werner. And that is, uh, that's, uh, when we first spoke, that is something which really broke my heart as well. God, I'm going to do the right thing now. Okay, then you're going to lose everything. Like, yo, that is not a very lucrative offer. Like, that is, that is not the deal you want with God. God, now that I'm going to start doing the right thing, you're going to take everything away. But when you lose everything and you still have God, you still have everything. And that is the, the shift in the heart, which, which I know many people, including myself, have had to make a couple of times in our lives. God, I'm willing to stand up for you, like Werner said, but now I lose friends, I lose my girlfriend, I lose everything which was important to me before that. But that is when God shows us that the one thing that is important is your relationship with me. Werner, we can now see that that relationship is definitely not here at the moment anymore, but you still have a great relationship with Janae, and you're a great husband for her at the moment. What has changed in retrospect? What was there from Werner 15 years ago and Werner now? Because it's the same two people, the same relationship, but something is completely different. Can you give us a little bit of an inside look at your heart in, in that direction?
2: Um, I don't know if Junaid is going to share something about the breakups. I'll just mention, so we broke up um, just after I met the Lord in a real way. The same happened with Janae. and And we ended the relationship, uh, and it was very hard. Uh, I think it's more on your topic, but we were together three years. Her parents were getting divorced. She was holding on to me and I had to break loose and she had to break loose to find healing. It was very hard. But what happened is I gave my heart to God and I got baptized the day before I went to university. And when I walked onto the campus, there was a church there, Shelfar Christian Church in Stellenbosch. And I walked in there and I found a home. I found where I fit in. It wasn't because of him. It was because of God. That was a place I needed to go. And I never stopped. I found a small group. I did encounters. I went on missions. I just, I, feast, I had passion before. But the drive to get to know God was even bigger. And I feasted on everything God had. Scripture, friendships, coffees with church people, building one another up. And I didn't stop for three years. A little bit more than three years. And, and I, I never intended to meet up with Janae again. Um, and maybe initially we thought so, but God took us on different roads. But when we met up again after three years, I was a different man. Because God had his hands on my heart and he was working with me. And, and she was a different woman. I can testify to that. But I, I, just, I didn't connect at that moment with God sentimentally like a Facebook post. No, it was real stuff. It was heart to heart, face to face, crying, dealing with these things, asking God to teach me how to deal with my heartbreak, how to go forward. Um, As a young man in university, knowing how to lay down pornography very very early in my walk with God, as Christian men, we would ask one another, how's it going with your eyes? Are you looking to God or are you putting it on women without clothes? We would be very straight and God would grow us and shape us. So that's what happened. God happened. (laughs) And by his grace, it's only by his grace, um, he allowed me to meet him and, and, and to not turn back. Um, all, this is many years later.
1: Cool. Thanks, Werner. And you just, Werner reminds me of a scripture in Hebrews 10, if I'm not mistaken. It's not on the slides, where God says that the gathering of my people is just as important. And it's great to have quiet time. It's great to... To talk to people about God, but this gathering where we are tonight, this gathering of God's people, has immense power. And let us never underestimate the coming to the Lord, coming to church and say that God, this is where we want to be. Because like Wagner correctly says, that's when things started for him. That's when things got him into God got him into a community and when the growth started. And now, Wagner, what is this 15 years later about?
2: It's 15 years later, Renier, And I just want to say one more thing and throw it over the, these people. This one thing that happened the day I gave my heart. To God, it was very difficult. I lost a lot of things, a lot of friends. The relationship I thought at that moment is everything. I thought it was a great. It, it sucked, the first one compared to what we have now. Um, but I want to say one thing: the the moment you turn to God or your friend out there that you pray that you're praying for, He makes you new. Even you're still in the mud, you still need to heal. He makes you new. That moment, uh, two Corinthians five seventeen, says it makes you new and i can testify that day when as a matric boy i got on my knees still after that i was i was still caught up in, in, in sin for a while but the day i bent my knee i became a new creation and, and there was something stirring in me and, and and that hope is still stirring today and, and that's just a new birth
1: cool thank you Werner. it is it is one thing to testify before in front of many people if you serve them every Sunday, and you are the pastor of the, of the, of the church. But it's something completely different if you're Janae or Stephanie sitting here in front. And I just honor both of you for, for also, being, also being willing to say that this is tough, but I'm willing to share. Janae, Werner now gave us, gave us the laydon of your history, whether you liked it or not, but now it's, 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 it's now your turn to say, yes, like Werner, that I didn't share all of it, or that is, that is indeed the truth. Can you give us a... It's a great chat. Yeah, it's, when you're shy, it turns around. That's uh, it. Feels your feelings. Um if you can just affirm for us of, of what Dardenne said, um, in your feelings. All my feelings. No, not, not not all your feelings. We have church again next week Sunday, so we just have to finish, please.
3: No, I, um, I can just affirm that. Yeah, you know, I was there seeing his story and um, that change that he talked about. I remember that day. Oh. My life hasn't changed, If I remember his life changing after that Sunday that he cried a puddle on the floor. Um, and it's real. God really intervened, um, I think, in both of our lives. I do not know it yet. Um,
1: yeah. Cool. Thanks, Janae. Janae, Vardana shared with us, and he said that uh, there was a lot of drive in his life, from pressure from society, trying to find identity, and that is what forced him to just seek next, to seek the next thing, and eventually end up in this unhealthy relationship. But how does this look from a woman's side? What is the drive on a woman's side? How how does a woman find herself in this scenario, in this relationship? I assume it looks different than it looks for a guy who's pride-driven and image-driven.
3: Yes, um, when Vanna and my relationship started, um, everything in my life was sort of good. Uh, I was naughty, but I mean, like I had a stay, I had a home, mom and dad, and um, this gorgeous guy was interested in me, and <laughs> I was interested in him. <laughs> um, I think for a young girl and for any woman, it's a it's a need for love. We we do have a a real need for intimate love and. Of course, it's, it's something that God created in us, and it's beautiful, but I did not know God. Um, God was only a tradition or religion for me, and when Van and my relationship started, I just tried to fill a void for love. Um, what happened later on was that my, my parents got divorced, and suddenly everything that I knew was torn away from me that's like a home that I thought was relatively okay just it was really unexpected unex- but unexpected so my, my world turned upside down and I started using the sexual sin that we were in um, to hold on to something that I can so, sort of almost have control over him or hold on to this relationship through that um, which caused a real bondage because as I was doing that um, yeah, of course, emptiness came with it. And the soul tie that I had with him, even before my parents' divorce, became deeper. When we speak about a soul tie, it's, it's an emotional bond to someone that we should not have. We should... God is our love, the love of our souls. Um, the scripture says that Jesus is... is, love, is the, he calls us beloved in the word, that he is our beloved. And when we find that in someone else... It causes a soul tie. We become one, um, especially through sexual sin. Spiritually, we become one with a person that we're not supposed to become one with. Um, So after my parents divorce, that soul tie even grew. and I was feeding the soul tie through trying to manipulate Vanna and having sexual sin and just to sort of control one area of my life. He became my security, and it was a false one. And even when I speak about that bondage of that soul tie that I had, when I think about it, and this afternoon thinking about it as well, I, I can feel my throat closing up. Just like, it's not an airy-fairy, nice relationship. It was, uh, it was horrible in many ways, because I had this emotional roller coaster. Everything depended on what this relationship was causing me to feel. And... With a relationship that's not based on God, it goes up and down. And as it went up and down, I went through the like really down downs and really high, big highs. So yeah, I was feeding. I was feeding something that I thought was security, but it was not. Geneva
1: mm. you know what that reminds me of is someone once told me a story where he said, and he found himself true story. He found himself in a um, river, going down the river, and it was so unstable, and he just decided to grab hold onto the closest thing which he can get. Unfortunately, that thing was alive, and it bit him, and he lost one of his fingers. And basically, that was, that was, was, it was a funny story when he tells it, but then he quickly changes to a, to a straight face, and he says, but how many times does that happen in life where we don't have stability, but we want to ride the rough waters, and then when things get too rough, suddenly we want stability, and we grab the closest thing which we can get. And what I hear from what you're saying, Janae, is that when that stability in God is not there, it's easy to grab it anywhere else. Even if it looks like that stability, you're going to grab it. and Sometimes I think you grab bites. And sometimes it causes hurt. But it's difficult to let go anyway. And I just want to encourage anyone sitting here tonight, and I challenge myself on that as well, to ask yourself, God, am I truly steadfast in you? Because if I'm not and the, and the seas get rough, I'm gonna hold on to anything else. And to just lay down anything, God, I find security in my car, in my status, in my job, in the position I play on the rugby field, in my marriage, to say, God, I lay all that down. I found my stability in you because you are the one which is always constant. You are the one which is always strong. Is it is it far-fetched to say that, Geneve, if you had that solid accountability with God, that all of this might even have been avoided?
3: Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, <laughs> if I had God, I would have found my identity in him. Um, what was happening is I was finding my identity in my relationship. And um, yeah, so with God, he would have fulfilled that void and made me emotionally dependent on him and not on a human being. Cool.
1: Thanks, Janine. That just takes us back to the Colossians 1, which said, All things find its purpose in God. Whether you're a man or a woman, both of them testify at the same thing, looking for that purpose. And if you're struggling to find that purpose and you hold on to every get-rich-quick scheme because this thing's going to help me or those clothes are going to help me, know that nothing, not a new car, not a new position, will fulfill that purpose like God will. Amen. And that is the truth, and we can't argue with that. Do I want to ask you one more question before we move on. Maybe one of the tougher questions. Um, and when we spoke, you you also testified about this as well, very shortly, but Janaye, what does it do in a woman's heart to be in that relationship, in that sexually impure relationship? Because what you say is you were looking for something good, but what I hear is you found something bad. How does that look in a woman's heart, what does that do to a woman to go into that space?
3: It did kill me in many ways. Having to be emotionally dependent on someone and it, it sort of comes back at you in a negative way, it causes emptiness. So I, in my identity, I was becoming, I was being emptied um, emotionally, obviously spiritually. Um, so I also remember losing a lot of friends because, not losing, but my friends took the backstage because he was my everything. He was my family and the void that I was trying to fill, that God was supposed to fill. So my identity became empty. I thought I'm Vanna's girlfriend. And that's all, sort of all that I know. Um, and also, you think you, you, you hold on to this, this, this sin that you think is going to help you form the relationship or grow the relationship. But that sin is actually causing the relationship to be emptied. So it was a destructive thing on all sides. My heart, my character, my personality, but also the relationship that I was trying to hold on to was breaking down because there was just nothing, nothing real or stable.
1: Cool. Thanks, Janae. And Janae points out a very important thing there, the lie of the enemy. It will be better if you get him to commit sexually. It will be better if you do this. And those lies are evident in all of our lives but it looks a little bit different. And the only way to identify that lie is, God, I find my purpose in you and in you alone. And then when things come, like a lie comes like, the only way for you to find your identity again is to be in this relationship. It's very easy to to use the truth serum, which says, no, the only way for me to find my identity is to find my purpose in God. Purpose in God would have, or has, many years later, resulted in a happy marriage. A relationship outside God would never have resulted in a relationship with God. It's not an either-or. It always flows from God to marriage, not from marriage to God. And if you sit here finding yourself dependent on, on the person sitting next to you in such a way that if this person turns out of church, you'll turn out as well. If this person goes down, you'll go down as well. Or maybe that person's not even here. Or maybe you are that person for someone else. Have the, the boldness to step up and say, this is not a healthy place to be. Because it's first God, and then everything which flows from it. But nothing else will flow you by accident into God's presence. Thanks, Jeanette. Um, I just want to go to John 1, verse 1, uh, John 1 verse 9, which says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that is such a, a calming coming verse, the last couple of words there. You will purify us from all unrighteousness. And it's so many times we say, yo, I've sinned. I I feel like I can't even get into God's presence. But God says, confess these things. Work through it, just like Vardar and Janae did. And I'm sure both of you can testify. He has purified you and restored his righteousness in your lives. And I honor you also for, for being willing to share the testimony. Stephanie, it's a... It's a privilege for me to talk to you, like I, like I told you two weeks ago as well. I always in, always enjoy speaking to you, <clears throat> but I'm just going to change it up a little bit and ask you to, I'm not going to interrupt you with a couple of questions, but ask you if you can just share us a little bit of your testimony, what God has taken you through, and also the growth which you've seen in your life. It's, I don't have to add anything or give you a, a big introduction to, for people to hear the work which God has done into your life.
0: Um, so I have the privilege of just sharing um, my story tonight with you. It's a story of a lot of tears and a lot of heartache, but I really don't want that to be the focus because I'm here to testify of a God that is truly faithful and that is really, uh, His name is a tower. We sang that song when a couple of years ago, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and I really experienced him to be a hiding place in a very hurtful time. So um, my family is here tonight, which I'm very thankful for. But our story begins with my sister being four years old, going to bed as a completely healthy child and waking up the next morning totally lame. Her eyes were pulling into her nose and she she became very, very sick just in one night. And I'm not going to focus for long on that, but it really made my parents start to call on God because she was taken up in hospital. She was diagnosed with the um, Guillain-Barre, which is a terrible sickness and which really can't be treated or healed. But God did miraculously heal her. And um, my mom started calling on God in a deep and intimate way. And with that, she took the whole family With, And so I had the privilege of starting to know God in an intimate way already at the age of nine. And I started serving him wholeheartedly. And I can really testify by his grace that I never turned my back on him only by his grace. But I really passionately served him. Throughout high school, at university, he gave me wonderful friends, girlfriends. So we were in church all the time. The only times we skipped class was to attend one or other church conference. <laughs> and we really served God passionately. Um, all my girlfriends, all, all my friends had boyfriends. I was the only one without one. And it sometimes bothered me because you kind of feel a little bit odd. But I just said, God, I'm not chasing for a a guy, I need a husband one day that will truly serve you, and I will wait until you send send him. And I waited for very long. (laughs) Um, I was 27 years old when, when my husband came into my life, met him at church. And at first I wasn't interested, but he kept on, he was really interested, and then I really fell in love with him. And later, really, really, deeply loved him and we had a a wonderful marriage he was a very very good husband he was always serving me Um, I'm a teacher so I'm forever at school busy with something and he was always there helping me building um, cleaning up the place all our friends always said they can't believe God gave me this wonderful husband and I remember lots of nights climbing into bed crawling behind his back, he didn't even know it, but I prayed for him, and I just hugged him, and I just thanked God for blessing me with this wonderful man, and what was really special is we we really served God. Um, at that time, we were in Ermelo, and the church that we attended wasn't a shofar church, but they they had the Bible school of shofar, and we um, enrolled in that. And after we read that evangelism by fire, we will, we were inspired, and we really wanted to go on a mission trip. And so we put up our name, and we went to Zambia, and that was one of the highlights of our lives. We saw the hand of God move there, and we were really spiritually in in a very high place with him we were very close to him after that we woke up very early in the mornings prayed and we were excited to serve god so about the week sorry here i'm going as well (laughs) (laughs) so about a week before we went to zambia um he got um, news that he was promoted and we had to move to Middleburg for this promotion and the whole time in Middleburg I was praying and asking God if this was the right thing, although we knew that the promotion was a miracle, and I kept on getting this word that God wants us to be um, like a well or a fountain, and that his living water will pour from our lives in Middleburg, and lots of people will come and drink from it, and I kept on getting confirmation on that. I wrote it down, and we were very excited, and we went, so... We were only three weeks in Middleburg when calamity started to hit us, wave upon wave. And I would love to share all of it with you, but I don't have time because it was a lot. I'm just going to share some of the highlights. So in our marriage, we, we, really, had, we really wanted to fall pregnant. Um, we tried for five years. And I'm, I am a teacher, so I love children. I really wanted children. And in that process, um, while we were still in Ermela, we went to some of the best doctors that we could find. And they just said that we are one of those rare cases that they won't even try in vitro with us. There's nothing they can do for us. So I wasn't, I was upset, but I wasn't too worried. I just kept on saying, God, you created the earth with a word. You're going to give me this baby. I'm trusting you. And when we got into Me- in um I had to go for a routine doctor's appointment. And the doctor asked about my history, and he heard we can't fall pregnant. And he said, no, he's got a really, really good doctor, and I must just please give this guy a try. And we kind of actually decided we're not going for doctors anymore, but we decided, okay, we'll give it a chance. Maybe God's going to use this. And when we got to the doctor, he said, yes, he's definitely going to be able to use us, but just once, we're just going to try once. It won't be a process of five or six times once, and it needs to work that one time. And we really believed that's why God sent us to Middleburg, so that we can get to this doctor and we can fall pregnant. And to cut a long long story short, in the end, there were three embryos that they planted in, and it didn't work. So... I lost them on the Monday and I phoned the doctor on the Tuesday and he said, I don't even have to come back. I will not be able to fall pregnant. I mustn't come back. And I was really hurt by it and that Friday I was at home falling into a deep pit. And because we couldn't have children, Rianne bought me French poodles, which I loved and I adored, and they were absolutely my children. And as I was sitting on the couch going into this pit, I thought, no, this is not good for me. I need to go for a walk. Just get out of the house and get some fresh air. And we were very far from the house when a car was getting out of the driveway. And with that, that owner's pit bulls came out And they came for us and he started attacking my, I don't know, female dog, (laughs) and it was really vicious. And um, because I was so emotional, I started screaming like a crazy person. Every body in the neighborhood came out. They saw this, they started hitting him. They went back, boiled some water, came out, that's how long it took, threw boiling water on it. They didn't stop. They just continued and continued, tearing my little dog, which was my child, to pieces. And I had to literally pick up her body parts, and no one offered to take me home, so I had to take all of those parts and walk home. There was so much blood, I had to literally throw away my clothes when I got home. And then um, quite a few other things happened, but... Um, Six months after that, I went for marking when I got home. Something wasn't right with the male dog, and I I was worried about it, and that night I went to bed, and I woke up hearing him bumping into things, and as I I took him to the vet early the next morning, and they said um, that he had kidney failure, and he's Blood got thin to help the kidneys, and the heart pumped so quickly that his eyeballs bursted in the night. So sorry for the details, but it was just so cruel to me. I couldn't believe it, and they said he's in such pain, we need to put him out. So I also lost my male dog. I, you, today, believe it was because of the shock that he saw, because that attack was so terrible. He, he, also, he just was, never was the same dog. And then we had very close friends. Um, Their two year old boy was diagnosed with leukemia and he had cancer treatment and because of that, if they couldn't um, allow people close to him because his immunity is not good and because Rhian and I didn't have children, we were the perfect friends for them because we didn't, um, we could visit them and we were there for them the whole process. And then um, the Sunday evening we got a phone call that the mother was in hospital and um, she was not doing well and the next morning we, we prayed about it and the next morning they just phoned me and t- told me my friend's dead, she just didn't make it. And I remember we went to the funeral so shocked and so heartbroken because it's this just this wave upon wave of heartache and... We were very, I was very sad, Rian as well, because we were good friends with him. And I remember looking at all our other friends and how the husbands comforted their wives. And Rian didn't do anything to comfort me. And it was so strange to me. And it bothered me, but I thought maybe he's just so broken that, that he can't support me at the moment. And that Sunday we went to church and there was a prophet ministering and he said that he's not going to prophesy, he's only there to bring the word. But after he preached, he said, no, God did give him a word for someone. And he came to us straight, looking my husband in the eye, and he said, God has called you to be a fountain in Middleburg. and he wants you to be connected to him, but you have chosen to disconnect from God. And God is giving you a chance today to repent and to change and to connect. And if you don't, then in six months, everything will be different. And I was very shocked to hear that. Went home and I wrote it down and I prayed about it. But I thought, oh, God, you're so faithful. You warned to run. he will connect again. But he didn't. And I actually forgot about the word. It was there in my journal. And in front of my eyes, I saw a loving husband that really served God starting to change day by day. I, he started drinking, which he never did previously. Drinking heavily. He uh, lost a lot of weight very quickly. He started exercising really hard, bought himself new clothes. Every day he would come home with new clothes, things that he never bought previously. Um, He started swearing, blaspheming a lot. And I couldn't understand what was going on. And then he got really, really um, very tempered. He, He really got violent and he got very angry over the smallest things in such a way that one night, I can't even remember, but he just started fighting with me, and he he screamed at the top of his voice in such a way that the next morning he didn't have a voice. And I was just thinking, what's the neighbors thinking? What's going on here? I didn't even go to school that morning. I just drove to my parents, and I told them that there's something very wrong. And they started to see the change in Rian, but I think that day was a a very big shock to them because I don't think they knew how bad it was at that moment. And I told them that they are going to read about me soon in the newspapers because I was feeling and I was seeing the hatred and the anger in Rian's eyes and I, I was he was talking about death a lot and about suicide so I was really scared that he is going to take me with him. He actually said it a, several times. And I could see the fear in my parents' eyes to send me back. Um, And just about two weeks later, we were with a family gathering with my parents. And my sister's little three-year-old did something that, something ridiculous that irritated Rian. And his temper really went in front of all the family. He blew. And um, I think for the first time, my parents saw how dangerous he's become. So I... I went home with him, although my mom was very worried to send me with him. And I really started to intensely pray and ask God to change him, to bring him to his senses, to help us. And then I found out very soon after that that he had an affair. I was very shocked because that was the last thing I ever thought of him. I didn't think he will ever cheat on me. And I was, obviously my world turned up, upside down, and then I, my parents were gone, and I went to them, they were on holiday, and just to create some distance between me and Rian. But all of that holiday, I was flat on my face, trusting God. I didn't believe we are going to get a divorce. I trusted God. He's going to save my marriage. I mean, I waited for him for 27 years. I asked God for a husband that will serve him. And I begged him to to save and to bring Rian to senses. Because no Christian lady ever wants to have the title of divorced. You don't want that. You don't believe you deserve that. I didn't believe I deserved it. So I was flat on my face that whole holiday, trusting God. At ni- really, at nights I was trusting Him. And then before the holiday was over, I found out that Rian was actually also in another relationship with another lady. And that kind of brought me to my senses because I thought, well, I can forgive an affair but I cannot forgive that if he's having a lot of women and it's dangerous to be in a relationship like that. And I started to realize that maybe God's way is different. We think divorce is never his heart. And I'm not saying that was his heart, but I just really started to experience that he said that I must cut from this man. I went home. He was so violent at that stage that I didn't even confront him about the second woman. I didn't have the courage to confront him, just told him I want a divorce, and he said, ah, he's already moved most of his stuff, so it's fine. He's really sorry that he hurt me. I asked him, what did I do wrong? And he just said he's sorry. He doesn't know he's sorry. Um, And so we got a divorce, and after that, I went back to my journals, and you wouldn't believe it, but on the date, the day we we were in court was the sixth month that that prophet was talking about. It was the same day, 27 August we received the word, 27 February we were in the divorce court. So it was a lot of hurt and tears. It, it started a journey um, of a lot of brokenness and a lot of crying. But then God, um, God really came close to me. In the, in the days leading up to when I found out that he's having this affair, God sent me a, a very good friend who went through similar circumstances with her husband. So I spent a lot of time with her. And she was a smoker. So I spent a lot of time in their presence and in their smoke. And I saw that, that these smokers are really good friends. They're like a community that really take care of each other. And they have this special thing that they share... And it kind of drew me. And I remember that day after I I found out that Rihanna is having this affair, I went to her house because I was scared of the confrontation. And she said, Steph, because I was at a very bad space, obviously, and she said, Steph, come, let me give you a smoke. You will see it's going to help you. And for the first time in my life, I was really, really tempted to take that cigarette. Not because I thought it's going to make it better, but I wanted to take it out of rebellion against God. I knew if I take this smoke, it will tell God that I'm really, really mad at him because I served him and this is what I get. And by his grace, I just said, no thanks, I'm not interested. And as I said it, I felt him coming so close and it started a journey of me taking going into that secret place of Psalm 91 where I really started to hide in the shadow of his wings and I really experienced him in a very very deep level from there on. so it was accompanied with a lot of miracles. Um, one of which I got um, a transfer to Sekunda, which was good for me because I had to get away from Rian. Um, because I was getting a lot of anxiety attacks because I was scared. I didn't know what he's going to do to me. And also the environment wasn't good for me. And then evangelist Nelise, Shafa's <laughs> evangelist, kept on inviting me here. And she's very persistent because she doesn't just invite you. She keeps on sending SMSs before the time. Do I see you? Do I see you? So I came here and I started um, experiencing a lot of um, healing in, in a lot of sermons, in a lot of times present worship. But even at home, I spent hours and hours at night when I couldn't sleep Really learning what it means if he says he's giving you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so I really started to experience um, a lot of healing and um, a lot of of his grace coming to fix things in my heart, which was very broken and then let me just sorry, I just quickly want to get my story here so um I Actually, it took a long time, but I started to to kind of get on my feet again. And then suddenly one day I saw a picture posted on Rian's WhatsApp that he and this second lady that I found him with was in a relationship. It really, really shook me. And not very long after that, I got a WhatsApp one morning saying that he will not pay any longer the things that he agreed in court to pay and I couldn't believe it because when we decided to divorce he kept on saying he will forever be there he's so sorry for what he did to me he will for the rest of his life wait and let me for if I need him he will be there if I call him if I have a flat tie if I have problems he will be there and he will financially support me he's so sorry about what he did and here comes this WhatsApp. And I um, was shocked. I phoned my dad. I said, you won't believe. He said he's not going to pay anymore. And my dad had to tell me that they saw on Facebook that Rian was already engaged to this new lady. And I found Rian, and he didn't even admit it to me. He was in such a lying state at that moment. He didn't admit it to me. I was in a terrible state at school, really, really bad. And the principal said, please, go home. You cannot be like this in front of the children. And I decided to drive to my parents, really in turmoil. But when I got home at their house, I was immediately calm. And it's as if the enemy knew that the biggest um, trap was coming. And my mother is an intercessor and she's very, very discerning. And it's as if the enemy knew my mother is going to see him and going to rebuke him. So he just left his hold on me. And I was calm. I was so calm at the house. And we discussed it. I didn't even cry. Oh, that state I was in was over. But the enemy just waited for me to be alone again because that's where he wants you. He wants to isolate you. So I came back, and um, the next morning I didn't feel good, and I always turned on the tablet and put on on some YouTube worship music, or worshipped on YouTube, and I turned on the tablet, and the internet was gone. And Rian paid the internet, and I couldn't believe it. He phoned me yesterday telling me he's going to stop the payments, and literally the next day, it was off. And it shook me to the core. I fe- felt so, so abandoned, so alone. And um, God speaks a lot about um, our hearts being soil and that the word is seeds that He plants into our soil. But the enemy is an Im- imitator. So He also works on the soil of our hearts. He always brings trauma. And with trauma comes fear and anxiety, and it creates very, very fertile soil. And when he comes, he comes with lies. And if you believe those lies, they are weeds, and they grow at a tremendous speed. So I wasn't at a good place, and he came and he planted. After all this healing I went through, he came and he planted that day a lot of seeds, a lot of weeds of me not being good enough. He told me, Oh, you trusted God for 27 years, but it's just no one wanted you, and the one that wanted you rejected you, and lots of lies. And I didn't have the energy to fight it anymore, so I took him. And I didn't have the courage to find my parents because I felt that's also his lies, but I'm at the moment a really burden to them, and that they expect me to move on now. Rian's obviously moving on. Why can't I move on? It's months later. Why can't I move on? And that Saturday, I started to really go into a deep, deep, deep hole, a very, very deep dark place. I considered phoning Werner and Janae, and also the enemy told me, no, they're busy. Don't, Don't bother them, because I knew what's going on in my heart is terrible. I could really feel the devil taking hold of me, and as I had to quickly go somewhere, I heard him say, why don't you just drive into the wall of your complex as fast as you can, you'll be dead, this will be over. And I thought, no, uh, what if I survive? I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home, and I opened the drawer of my of my cupboard, and I thought, well, the doctor gave me all these sleeping pills and tranquilizers. If I drink all of it, that will be maybe less violent and I really thought maybe I must just end it. I didn't do it by God's grace but I was really really in a deep deep dark place. That night I couldn't sleep but I was throwing a self-pity party <laughs> and um, in a dis- place of despair the next morning I woke up and by that time I didn't have morning services so I always went to another church in town in the mornings and came here at night and I started to prepare to go there and as I drove there, the worship music came up and I got so irritated with it because the devil got hold of my heart, got so irritated with it that I smacked it off. I smacked it off and I thought, I pulled over and I thought I can't go to church in this state. But then again his grace, I did go and for the first time in my life I didn't participate in the worship. I was sitting there with a filthy attitude, feeling so sorry for myself. But I and I could feel that the worship was powerful, but I didn't participate. I didn't want to open up for it. And then a lady, one of the leaders, came up after the worship and she said that God gave her a, a a song that she needs to sing and it was a tongue so she, she sang in tongues and after that the pastor came up and he had the interpretation and he said that he experienced that um, there's people going through difficult times and there were people in your lineage or ancestors that prayed for you and he really experienced that God is releasing this word into your life. And I thought well I know my mom's praying for me it's probably that but I didn't make a lot of it. I just heard this. And, and then he, he preached on Psalm 23. And a lot of, it's a, it's a famous scripture, but preachers don't preach on it. So he preached on Psalm 23. And he also said that God doesn't dwell on the moanings of people. He dwells on the praises of people. Right. And I went home feeling actually worse than before the service. I didn't feel better. All afternoon, I was thinking about this, but it was as if it couldn't enter my heart. I came to Shofar for the evening, and I remember Werner saying, God is saying you need to lift him higher than your problems. You need to lift him higher. And I thought, these two words relate, but I can't. I, I went home, and I said, God, I can't. I, I don't have strength to worship you anymore. I don't want this life. I'm alone. Rian is... Getting married, he's happy, and I can't move on. I don't want to worship anymore. I want this pain to end. And all night I was struggling. I couldn't get through. And then about three o'clock that night, I just all of a sudden experienced his presence coming into my room. And I heard him saying that I am in the valley of the shadow of death. That scripture, Psalm 23, that speaks of the valley of shadow, of death, I'm there, but he doesn't want me to there, he came to fetch me, he's faithful, he came to fetch me, and I could experience him taking my hand, taking me out of it, and out of nowhere, I remembered, when I was five or six years old, my grandmother was dying of cancer, and I remember every night I would sit with her, sleep with her, and she would read us Psalm 23, and she would pray that over my life. And then suddenly I realized that lady that sang that word, God released that word over my life for such a time to save me from doing something crazy. And so tonight I can just testify (laughs) that... That he is so faithful. He comes to fetch you when you really feel you can't anymore. And that is what he did. Um, I've really experienced this year that I'm moving into a new season where I'm putting this behind. And I can just, for the rest of my life, know that he is a good God. We think if we serve him, we kind of buy insurance that everything will go Right? And we won't admit it, but that's what we think. We think things will go right. And when it doesn't, we want to blame God. But He never promised that everything will be perfect. He promised that when we go through the fire, He will be there. We are still the product of people's decisions. People's decisions affect us. But He is a faithful God, and I want to serve Him for the rest of my life. As for Rian. He's at a bad space at the moment. I hear things about him that really upsets me. But forever and ever I will pray for him. I know there won't be reconciliation. I know that. But I will pray that he will find God. I trust God that the fruit of our marriage will be that he will soften his heart again. I've truly, truly forgiven him. I have no anger towards him. I just trust that he will find it in his heart to bow his knee and repent of the arrogance and the um, the enemy that he allowed and yes that's my story
1: sure thank you Stephanie <laughs> you spoke so many truths um, but I just want to emphasize a couple of the ju- the truths which, which you spoke and the first one is for me is how many times Stephanie said, yo, this husband of mine, what a bad person he is. Not even once. There's no bitterness which comes out of her heart. And the reason for that is not because Stephanie is a fantastic person, which she is. Not because she's a fantastic person, but it's because she truly finds a healing in God. There's no bitterness in the heart of God. And if we imitate God, there will be no bitterness in our hearts. And that's, that's fantastic to hear, but how does it look practically in our lives? Think of the last time you were really angry at someone. You had bitter feelings towards someone. You were, you were going specifically to hurt that person. You were saying things which you didn't mean necessarily. But that bitterness in your, heart, in your heart which you brewed up, which I brewed up, for something most likely less severe than what Stephanie just shared. This is a heart which got redeemed by God. And every time we brew bitterness in our hearts, it is a, alarm, a little alarm for us to know that, make sure we're aligned with God's heart for us. And although it's a fantastic testimony, it's also a conviction of each, on each one of our lives to say, bitterness is not from God, but true forgiveness and still praying for that person that is true healing and that really came from God. I would, I would have loved to ask you, I actually wanted to ask you, you, you met God, God redeemed your lives, but then most probably if you didn't come together, having God would have been enough, and then Stephanie's story came, and that just answered the question. This is not a story with a happy ending, yet. It is not a story where, and they came back together and live happily ever after. But it is a story where God came in, and in the brokenness, He brought healing and many of us here may sit in a situation where there's a lot of brokenness and suffering and the house on the outside, like Werner shared earlier, looks fine, but on the inside, there where the friends don't see, there where no one else is allowed, there it's broken, the tiles are broken and everything is falling apart I just want to share tonight that this is a testimony of where God can come and pick you up from the valley of death in Psalm 23, to be able to share in front of a live audience where emotions are are a reality, but where God is the true Savior. And whatever that is, the thing bringing you down, the thing which really is that thing you put in in the last room in your house so you just don't have to deal with it. God is greater than that. God is bigger than that. And the testimony which, which Stephanie shared is, is testimony of that as well. And the scripture I read in the beginning was that we should keep on encouraging one another. And that is what these testimonies do. And I just got, got word yesterday from another person saying that in today's sermon, little seeds will be planted, just like you spoke, Stephanie, little seeds will be planted to bring people to salvation, not today, but many years from now. And they will also share those testimonies. And it will be a recurring effect. And we trust God to keep on doing that. And Stephanie, just something which I also want to get back to, which was fantastic for me to, that, you, that you pointed it out, was the, the enemy hit you and you stood up. And he didn't say, ah, oh, shuck, Stephanie stood up now I need to eat someone else. He came back. He eats again. And that happens. That happens to each one of us. And the encouragement which I find out of the story which Jeff Stephanie shared, is not one of um, resist the devil and now everything is better. It is keep on resisting the devil. He will come back. He knows where our weak points are. He knows that I've overcome this once, but I've also fallen once. And if you've fallen once, that's the place where the enemy wants to, wants to eat again. Wagner, if I, if I could come back to you. You say victory over pornography. Was it an instant fix and then after never tempted again?
2: I had a massive initial victory when I gave my heart to God. It was, there was definitely massive bonds broken, but the enemy had come back to try and take me, so I had to keep my weapons up. But uh, after becoming a new person in God, uh, uh, th- there, was, there was initial massive momentum, a uh, grace of God.
1: Cool. Thanks, Werner. And that just relates to, to Stephanie's story as well. Getting victory and saying, I lift up my head, but the enemy comes again and attacks again. And therefore tonight, I want to encourage everyone to say that those things which keeps on recurring in your life, which keeps on hitting you, which keeps on bringing us down, these stories are testimony that God is stronger than all of them. And we know that our God wants the best for us and will always be on, on our side and fighting for us and to never give up, to never give up in the, in the times when the enemy comes and tells us the lies and say, let's end it now. This is not worth it said that I'm stronger than that because of the God which is in me. So let's all just stand up. Close our eyes. Just want to pray for us. Lord, thank you for what you do in our lives. And thank you that we are the ones benefiting from your will and from the testimonies which you bring. Lord, Werner, Janae, and Stephanie are ordinary people. They could have just as easily sit on a on a different chair this, this evening listening to someone else's testimony because we know these things aren't rare. It isn't just that it happened in their lives, Lord. It happens in our lives as well. We have hurt and suffering as well. And Lord, thank you for encouraging us through this. Lord, I pray that on, on each one of us, Lord, that, that you'll bring your peace, Lord, and your endurance and your steadfastness and your love and your faith, Lord to be able to stand strong through these kind of situations. Lord, we declare that you're the one who gives us direction. We find our purpose in you and in you alone. We lay down all the other things which is supposed to give us an identity. We lay down everything which we at one stage thought, this is going to bring me further in life, whether it be a person or something material, Lord we declare that you're the one who heals our hearts. And Lord, there's a lot of broken hearts, a lot of suffering standing here tonight. But we invite you in that tonight tonight is a turnaround where hearts will be healed and where your will will be done.